Welcome to episode 5 of the GEA Performance Podcast. Our guest this week is Dublin GEA legend Paul Clark. An all-star and all-earned winner as a player, he went on to be a Dublin senior coach, selector and manager. And he played a key role under Jim Gavin and Desi Farrell on those famous six-in-a-row Ireland winning teams. Loyalty, integrity, passion, these are the kinds of words I associate with Clarkey and I was lucky enough to be coached by him during my own playing time in DCU. And he talks to us in this podcast about developing skill sets, behaviours, team culture and team mindsets and what it is that makes certain players stand out when you watch them play Dublin club games or Burn club games and what made certain players take their opportunity when they were brought into the Dublin senior squad. I did my best here to take away as many learnings as I could from this conversation and there's a lot of learning in it. While still respecting that Clarkey has a lot of close relationships with players and coaches still involved in that Dublin senior setup. So I really appreciate his time and him spreading the knowledge for the betterment of the GAA. Enjoy. Thanks for, for joining us, Clarkey. Um, we, get start, we get straight into it. Um, first question I wanted to ask you was you've been involved in GA for so many years, first as a player at the top level and then as a manager and as a coach at club and county level, different teams, different decades, you know, right up to Jim Gavin and Desi Farrell's teams now, Peter Caffrey's teams, and when you're playing yourself, like what is it about the GA that kind of gets your blood flowing and gets your passions up and what is it that you, you love most? Um, I, I, look, I suppose my, my background wasn't GA. it was more soccer from underage up to about say 13 years of age and then my, my turned out my best pal Michael Crowley we had been in primary school together and then went to secondary school together and um, had a bit of a bad experience one day playing soccer well not playing, I wasn't picked to play and then Michal in school said oh, look you'll have to come and play for the school team and play Gaelic and and then joined my hot Colin Kills. So he looked out for me back in those days. We played together, you know, at midfield or a midfield partnership. And I just got a you know a friendship there that I knew that was was loyal to me. Um and I enjoyed that and then got a group of friends from football through school and, and through uh, through club that that was just something different that I hadn't seen before. And maybe it was just I was matured and I was in my teens and um, I was getting a little bit of recognition made, made around to Dublin under-14 squads fairly quickly and then on, onto a minor. But each time when you were going to a different group, um, it just brought it to a different level. It was very competitive. I was athletic enough, and you know, at a young age that that was challenged me. Um, and I felt that maybe there was something in this that, that Gaelic football was something that I could enjoy. I was enjoying the friendships initially, and then that sort of pushed on from there. Um, and I suppose, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to do really well at club level, and and then be a double minor captain. Soon after, then Kevin Heffern brought me into a senior football panel. I was looking up the players like like of Brian Mullins and, uh, you know, Kieran Duff was there, Charlie Redmond, you know, um, Pat Hanneman, like guys that had won all Ireland's in 83 for Dublin, now you're in a dressing room with them. Um, but you, you felt that you were, you were part of something, and something special even then. Um, 
and it just made my juices flow. I, I liked the way we trained. I liked the competitiveness of training. I had to work really hard on skills, um, but that that I didn't mind at all. I, I just liked that. Um, so obviously, you know, those early years, the 85, 6 and 7, 88, wasn't so successful for Dublin. And then we sort of broke through 89, winning the Leinster, getting an all in the semi-final. And then, like I said, there was a group of players that stuck together from those late 80s right through the 90s. Um, and that gave, again, gave you another group of friends, another group that you'd go to war with. Um, and it, it made me enjoy it. Um, obviously, when you finish playing, um, I went straight from sort of county footballer to club footballer stroke manager. Um, and then you're spending more time with, with, with teammates that, again, you've gone through school with. Uh, I enjoyed that. It was very competitive. It was very difficult in Whitehall at the time because we, we had a very successful minor under 21 team and everybody said we were going to succeed at senior. But we didn't, you know, breach that, that gap and go, and go well at senior. Um, and soon after that, um, the great Dave Billings asked me to, to, would I be interested in going in as a selector with Pillar Caffrey? which was totally left field. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, I had played with Pillar. Um, what, like what, what he seen me as a coach, I don't know where, he came, where it came from. Um, I, was, I was a hard worker with the club. Like back then, you used to cut the grass. You used to get a tractor and cut the grass to the pitch. You used to line the pitch. We used to fertilize the pitch. We used to do it all ourselves. So maybe he thought I was able to do that for him. But um, I, I, I was a link then with DCU. I got to know Niall Moyne and Kieran Moran and Ken Robinson through DCU and we set up a great relationship uh, at that time. Um, and I was so fortunate, like I was only 39, 38, 39 at the time, so you're going in as a selector with a county team at that age. Um, some great, uh, in the management team, we had Kieran Duff, Ski Wade, Brian Talty, you know, fellas I played against, I was aware of, um, Steve Wade in particular was someone that, um, from my very young days, uh, I used to work in uh, builders providers in Collins Avenue, and his garden was back onto this, and it was the first time I really seen a Dublin jersey in real life was hanging on his washing line, and uh, I, I knew a sister, and I said to his sister, "Can I have his jersey?" And uh, as only Ski would reply to her, tell him to get his own. So it's funny, I'm still I'm great friends with Ski now as it turns out and through that management team. I finished with Pillar on top, well that, well that was it, that was my chance and I really enjoyed the few years. You know, that team came very, very close but then we came up against some great Tyrone teams and you know, we had our difficulties against Mayo and, and I thought, well, well that, that I enjoyed, we go back to club, um, club management. Um, and see where it took me and the skills that I learned from that, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it through into, into a club scene. A um, few clubs I managed and then out of nowhere, um, Jim contacted me when Dublin were going away on a, a team holiday and said, would I like to be involved with an Auburn Cup squad? Um, that I'd go out and, and scout some players. They had a list of players that they wanted to look at, but he wanted me to oversee see the training, which was minimal enough. All you were doing was getting the best Dublin club footballers that weren't in a county setup together, uh, get them to know each other as well as possible, 
do very little on tactics and techniques, but just get them to know and understand each other. Get them to know how lucky they are, how privileged they are to be involved in the Dublin setup. Try it as us as management and selectors to to um, make as tour and professional as possible. Um, and that brought me on another level from my pillar points as as to how I was preparing my team. So yeah, so it's it's been a build as you as it goes along. It, it, the blocks have been a bit unsteady at times, but um, I suppose to answer the question originally, it's about just a love for it and just a drive, and I like the challenge of it. And plus, I'm you're very lucky to be asked to be involved with 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 a club or your county. And when that opportunity arises, you just can't say no to it. You're talking about kind of even from the, the very first bits there about like kind of loving the camaraderie of it and having a group of lads who go to war with like, or who be like you feel that they're being loyal to and stuff like that. Like from being involved in a, in a management team that, that you, you were with, I felt that that's kind of what we as players really felt with you in terms of that you had someone who really just wanted you to be better. And like really wanted you to like when you looked out on the sideline in the game was giving you advice obviously to win the game but to try and get you to do more rather than like kind of giving out to you or like just kind of shout like it was genuinely want you generally felt like you wanted us to be to do this better or to do that better to be better players and and um that kind of creates a culture then because then as a player you feel that loyalty and that trust and you kind of want to push harder um and like for for a player that's obviously a great thing to have and then obviously as a management team if you get all your players into that space like is that something that that you would have felt that you brought that you consciously brought as a manager but you wanted your players to feel that way um i suppose um there's a number of aspects there's a reality check yourself as a player like is to try and prepare yourself as best you can obviously know your strengths and know what your weaknesses are and, and Paddy Cullen used to say to us as players, like, if you can sort of not look in the mirror, but say to yourself, God, I could not be prepared any better than what I am now. And look at yourself from head to toe and say, well, look, I look like a footballer. So therefore, there's a chance that I am a footballer and you're going to go out and, and challenge yourself. I loved training and I pushed myself really hard. So when I went to play against an opponent, again, I would say, well, look, if you're going to beat me today, if you're going to have a good game against me, you're going to be in your best form because I'm bringing, I'm trying to bring my best. And if that was the case, if a fellow was better than you, well, then I had to go back to the drawing board and see how I, I could improve or what I could learn from him. But you had to learn very quickly. You had to learn in the moments of a game, early moments, important moments, quiet moments of a game, how you could develop. So I, I felt then... As a player, that's how I went about it. Um, you look for weaknesses during games in an opponent, how you can punish it. Um, but as a coach or someone on the sideline looking at players, I'd be, I'd be really, I'd be really open-minded with anybody. Um, to the point of that, if I seen something small in something in someone and how they perform, how they caught a ball, or how they kicked, or how they ran. All positives, I would say, God, that, that was really good. I'd love to give, I'd love to stop the clock or stop time for a second, run in beside them and say, I've just seen you do that. That is fantastic. Come off the pitch and start the clock again. You know, I'd love to freeze time at time. So, you know, to be in the middle of it, a training, you can start to do that. 
And it's the same way on the flip side. If you see someone giving out to themselves or, or doing something silly, you know, um, to be able to get in and say, look, I've noticed that, and this is how you responded. You were very negative to yourself. Like, what are you giving out to yourself about? What, what? Because, you know, Gaelic football, uh, it's not like American football where the play stops and you might be able to, you know, reset yourself for the next move. Yeah. Gaelic football, you could give a ball away and five seconds later, the ball could be coming straight back at you or the opponent's coming straight back. So you don't have time to to dwell on on... on and the game is so quick, so you don't have time to dwell on, on bad mistakes or a mistake. So to be able to get into someone and say, well, look, you know, the game passed you by for a few seconds there while you were feeling sorry for yourself. So I don't think, you know, and there's a lot of pressure on players nowadays in particular, that, that they, they feel that pressure. They feel that they've made a mistake. They could be looking to the sideline, am I being taken off now? They might hear it in the crowd. They might get it from their own teammates they more than likely will get it from an opponent will tell you how bad that was and verbally they'll give you that bit of pressure um so i think emotion and how you show emotion positive and negative on the pitch is crucial so i i, I like to say to someone look well done there but at the same time that's something you want to be doing all the time or you know that wasn't that wasn't your best you can do better than that but don't show your opponent that you're disappointed with it because he's going to tell you even more so. So what I see at the time, I, I think, is, is, is the best time to, to speak to someone about it. Um, obviously, in the big games in Crow Park, you don't have that opportunity. But certainly, if, if you've been speaking to someone about their game or how they're playing or something they need to bring, what I think would be good to their game, that in the dressing room at halftime or after it, just to, uh, to look at them and they catch your eye and you might get a thumbs up or a nod to say, you don't have to say anything, I, I understand what I did there and I really enjoyed it because it, it, it worked well for me or I understand that won't happen again, you know, so. I'm getting flashbacks now of like just even games playing with TCU and, and different cues, I suppose, when I was playing that you would have been given about, um, I'm just even remember playing centre-back and kind of, about even where positioning yourself for breaks and stuff like that and it, it gave it a massive feeling as a player as well that that you were being that the little things were being noticed and like you kind of felt like you you could really hone in on the little things which actually made playing a lot simpler because you could focus on, on those things and and um one of the things is that, that when i try and think of that as like watching the game like sometimes when we watch the game we get carried away in the emotion of the game or sometimes people get so carried away and like and overall kind of just wanting to win at managers so when you're watching the game you're obviously in a very like you're you, you must be able to kind of really hone in on a specific like on the small details and is that just because you think you just kind of stay very calm there or that's because what that's what you love but yeah it's what i love you know and and, and you know my, my focus may not be where the actual ball is it may be on the periphery of where the ball is it may be 50 yards back from where the play was or it's 50 yards forward where the play is going as to what what players are doing or, or what they're saying um and how they how they are gesturing to their direct opponent if he's still beside them or not beside them or or if they're contributing to the to their teammates around that there's still a communication because too often in games players switch off for that split second in this day and age you know, in high-intensity games, you cannot afford to switch off for that split second. So I love watching 
um, players are right around the pitch and how, how they're behaving and what they're doing to, to, to be ready for the next play. And, you know, if you can get it across to someone how important it is. And look, they don't have to take any of your, any of your opinion on board. But, but you know, it, it's a way that I'd say it. Like, you know, you're talking about maybe a match next week. Well, if you try this, this might happen. And it doesn't happen. That doesn't mean it's not ever going to happen. They could be playing a, you know, a, a club match in two years' time, and they might go, "God, I, uh, this uh, this is what Clarky said might happen." Now, I'm not saying everything I say is going to be true and right, but you know, I think if someone can take it on board and and it just put it in a bank somewhere in their head, that when you're playing, it, it might actually occur to you. You know, I think as a player, like you, you have in the GA, you kind of have managers who are involved. You know, because they kind of a sense of duty for the club, and they they love the club, and they're helping the club a lot. And there's an element of that with it, with everyone. Um, or you have, or they want to give back after you know there are people involved with them, and then you have some managers who, who want to get to the, the top of managing and coaching, and they kind of they see everything as a stepping stone towards that. But I, I think what you're talking about in terms of like loving improving players and looking for those small things, like again that that for for players you're going to get the most out of a player with that because. They genuinely feel that you're there for those right reasons. The same way as a manager, if you're looking at players who are only there for themselves, you know you're not going to link with them as much. Like, and as a as a player, I think that you 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 respond best to that type of that type of coaching. And and again, you know the, the type of coach you are. Like there are players that there don't respond to probably any interaction, but within a management team, and management teams nowadays can be large numbers, as we all know. But in that match, say the coaching setup, all you need to do is get on well with one coach. You know, all you need to do is be able to have a conversation about the day in work, or did you change your car, or how's the wife or girlfriend? You know, or you know something like that. So you have a small link. So therefore, then when it comes to maybe football matters, you, you can you can help, and he may just take that on board. You know, um, and 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 then sometimes that extends. When a really good manager has his coaches and has a backroom team, your medical team, uh, your physios or your doctors, your analysts, your statisticians, um, if he's trusting these guys as well, sometimes those members of that group can be as um, as good a coaches as the coaches themselves because you know, they're, they're talking to the players in different environments. They may be on a treatment table. They may be asking about an opponent. They may be talking about, can you look at my stats from the last week's game? And somewhere along the line, in a very, I'll say flippant way, they, they give information or give a little bit of feedback to the player that actually hits the right note. And, you know, that's that's usually important too, that that those those people know, know their purpose in the team, but... You know that I'll just say that they're they're very important in the minding of the players and the development of the players, but they mustn't overstep their duties as well. You know, um, and sometimes these these can be great um, for feedback. You know, sometimes th- those guys can give a little bit of feedback to other members of the group, um, maybe a senior senior backroom team member. Say, look, I'm after finding this out about somebody, and it's and it's a bit like. You know the training session. I love going to a. Tra- I love going to a training session early. Have it all set up, and then watch how players arrive at training. The manner they arrive, 
they're dress code, you know, are they running out of the car and have to leave their boots behind, uh, you know, are they, are they taking fluid and food on board as they arrive so they're preparing, do they have their notebook under their arm, you know, are they running late again, um, so like those aspects where you stand back and look how a player arrives at training, how he prepares himself, how he comes on the pitch, and then how he goes off the pitch as well, it, it, it's hugely important. And those management team, a backroom team, can, can help an awful lot in that too. Say, say with Dublin, like, there's a lot, that kind of all kind of bides into culture. And, and like with a successful organisation, whether it's football or work or anything, or family, like you, you, the culture is really important. And like what, what you're saying there where, you know, that the people who have the smaller roles in the backroom team can give feedback and everyone kind of has their part to play and, and, it, and it all fits in. Is that something that you try to organise or discuss and, and and kind of happen? Because you kind of bring players into that as well. Like, I know like with some of the players there on the Dublin team, like they're really strong personalities, you know, and again, some manage, some managements mightn't, um, like if you think of someone like Johnny Cooper, like he's such a leader, like, you know, and, and to the stage where he'll stop a training session himself and mm-hmm. give input and draw the players in together. Where some, but some management teams might some management teams don't like that. More traditional might, you know, reject that, and they want to have control. Like, is that something where you had conversations about how you wanted the culture to be and and what what how you wanted it to be player led and all of these kind of things, or is it something that just the type of personalities that you were you meshed together and that just came? No, well, you say Johnny. Johnny is a very very special guy, you know. But that what what Johnny does off the pitch is what he does on the pitch, like he's a very organised guy, he's very intelligent, very articulate, and his preparation is second to none, you know, so so if he has something to say, it, it, it tends to be important to what's going on, but how he says it and when he says it is just important, so you might have a guy who is just, God, he, this guy is really tuned in, but he, 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 in, he interacts with or he interjects during at just at the wrong time. So he may not be the right person. And it's, it's like a lot of things. Like, you know, if you're, if you're giving an employee feedback on something, you know, he's after having a really bad day, bad sales for the last week, maybe that's not the right time to say it to him. So how you say it and when you say it, maybe when you say it is as important. Um, it's like, you know, you, you tell your team, I don't want to hear any course now you're effing and blinded and all this carry on because it, do, it doesn't get you anywhere but like like give me the ball like i really want the ball because i think i can do something with it sounds better than why the f didn't you effing you know so so when it goes to then back to feedback and player player involvement um i think those guys and the dublin the, okay we talk about the dublin group the and it's changed so much from the time I played. Um, um, very few of us were third level educated guys. You know, we all were, you know, say manual workers, firemen, guards, you know, prison officers. You know, um, we played a certain way. We were coached a certain way. We, 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 we were involved in the feedback in a certain way. But now this has evolved so much that players are looking far and wide at how other teams other sports and normally the best in their sports and the best in their in their in, in what they do they're learning from them so you know when you have uh, you know someone like a johnny cooper it's important that you, 
you, you know, you, you take on board what he has to say, but he will say it when, you know, probably at the best time. You have other guys who don't get the right time to say it and mightn't put it across in the right way. So, but it's, it's still, it's important that you don't just shut, shut people down, you know. With, with um, if you, like, when you're kind of looking at the psychological side of things, you've got like culture and you also kind of got just general mindset. And like with, with Dublin and the team that you were involved in, there was so much pressure, external pressure with seeing you trying to win five in a row, trying to win six in a row. Um, and yeah, just like, just general pressure in terms of like the media and there's all of these kind of things you're trying to balance. Like how how is management team did you try and because it it seemed in interviews and stuff like that that it was you know that it was never it never really phased the group um and like I suppose working in media at the time there was kind of a feeling I remember at first when I was younger thinking like I kind of almost used to think of be I used to be a bit mad at listening to Jim doing interviews thinking like come on you responsibility to give more to media but then I realised that as I got older and looked more into these high performance, that no, no, that that's the messages that he's actually given. Like that, that is the clarity that he's given. Mm. And he's actually given it to the media as well. It's yeah. just that we couldn't process it. Yeah. Again, like Jim, again, a very intelligent man. He's, he's, you know, he's fantastic as a coach, but like, let's not forget how, how great a guy he is off the pitch and the work he's done, you know, as a pilot in the Air Corps and moving on to the IAEA. You know, he's not there for, because of a fluke, you know, um, and you know, uh, you know what what's what is important. What's important is within is within the group. What's important is what what you're doing within the group, and you know, um, it would be it would be uh, you know the fact that you know we we can, we're the control. You hear all these words. We're the control of our destiny and what 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 we want to do, and um, and that's that's all that really matters. And if there's an obligation to do a press conference, there's an obligation to do a photo shoot or something like that, um, you, you get, you'd be polite and respectful to those that are in front of you or around you, whether they have no pad and, no pad and pen or little microphones or cameras, you, you'd be polite and respectful to them. They have to do a job. So you give them an, enough information. Um, and as you said, when you look back on some of the quotes or some of the sayings or some of the, the, the uh, reports, it actually was giving you enough information. It's not the sensationalism, but it was enough uh, to be respectful to the people that are around you. That was coming from from the group, you know. So I think that I think it's, that's why it's so well managed. Um, and and some some managers nowadays just don't do, do that well, you know. Um, and it's and it's not down to. Oh, he's media trained or anything like that. It's just that's the type of person that he is. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's difficult for the likes of, say, Colm O'Rourke, you know, to, to go from media commentary, you know, TV to, to go in, in, into a management role and then be faced up by the media and, and how, we, how he responds or what's the best way to respond to questions of, of him, you know. Uh, so it's like Kevin McStay, the same thing, you know, he's, got, he's gone from coaching or from the media into coaching and now it's just targeted 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 you know a lot of that sensationalism though is like kind of i think there's ga audience now or ga people kind of a bit tired of it they kind of want more insight and want to know more yeah of like reasons for or just kind of to, to see behaviors and, and to, to have answers and like a lot of 
the stuff that Jim would say about kind of you know focusing on like what was in front of us and like the, if you read into that, Roy McIlroy talks the same way. Like it's like you can actually take so much from that. Like mm-hmm. and, and was that like say when you had your team meetings and you had your your group discussions, like was the conversation very much like was it that structured and that you know what was your uh, goals and your your plans that you know straight because that's how it seemed like it seemed like he knew exactly what he wanted there were no distractions it was just pure clarity like yeah a lot of the say it's like it's, there is clarity in what, what's going on you know if something had to be revisited it was revisited um to be sure that everybody within the group knew knew their role and knew the job um but as you know yourself that's as much as you can bring to it but when an opponent decides to set up a certain way or they don't start at 15 so all of a sudden it can change and it changes and evolves during the game but again if the players are aware that they they have the strength and the power the ability to adapt and make change on the pitch you know that it's not so rigid as as you might say or think that the players are that good and you know, let's be honest, it's it's possibly the best group of footballers ever to come together. And it's it's is it by fluke? Well, they were born when they were born and they matured when they matured. Yes, they got great guidance from the structures coming through Dublin County Board, if we're talking about Dublin, and 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 coming up to, to that stage and during those ten years in 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 their lifetime they were together. Um you you are very very fortunate and very very lucky that that it happened, and then they took every opportunity that, that was at their disposal, um. So when we're going back to playing a match, you have a structure. There's a plan. This we're going to do. If an opponent does something, well then you're capable of of changing it. Uh, management team between Jason and Declan and Jim, you know who who would call most most of the plays, you know. If the players weren't able to adapt, and most of the time they're able to, but then a change could be made. It may have been preempted that, well, look, we think a certain team is going to bring on a certain player or they're going to go to a certain shape. Well, then you try and have something to counteract that. But you will stick with the players on the pitch first to see how they adapt. If not, then you can make the change that that's needed. Yeah, and again, that comes back to what you were saying before in terms of the culture and the, the sense of like. The players, you have the trust in the players, and the players then develop that themselves. Just going into like what you were saying about the O'Byrne Cup and and kind of being involved with that O'Byrne Cup, and then that first year, and then, and then and then the subsequent years, and and then being involved with Jim and with Desi, like traditionally, I, I think even count playing county minor, county under twenty one, still there's trials, you know, and mm. traditionally with county seniors there used to be trials, and it's become very difficult now to to maintain that with with county senior teams um a lot of county senior teams don't have like specific trials they might have a trial game where they could bring in five or six different times um but one of the things that that i, that I did realize from since coming up here and, and being involved with clubs is that a lot there are a lot of in-house games like there's there's a lot of in-house games and a lot of players being brought in for them like give us a kind of a bit of an insight into from being involved like between O'Byrne cup and those in-house games and then games that you were looking at, like how big was your kind of radar, and how important, and why was that so important? Yeah. Well, say from the er- earlier days, and I know it's, it's even changed up a huge amount since since Desi's got involved and having a development squad as such. Um, you know, when when your top forty players, 
you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to win an All Ireland, and you, you know, you get the reward of it, like a team holiday team trip. There are some very, very club football, very good club footballers being left, you know, have, are left behind in Ireland that weren't involved in the county setup, and it's important that that they get some sort of reward, and the reward is wearing a Dublin jersey. Um, but it's important as a management team, and again, I was, I was so, so lucky that, that Jim Rogan, who had coached me, was, was a, we, we were able to work together really well with that group of players. We were able to hold on to, say, um, some of the kit men who didn't go on the holiday or one or two of the statisticians, they were available. So you had a, a winning uh, culture already with you. Um, and then, you know, you were going to see players in a dressing room that, that they knew each other well. Some of them had played minor, some of them had played under 21, but never made it into the senior setup. Maybe they were just too young at the time to, to make the step up. Um, to give them an opportunity to go and, and wear the Dublin jersey. And as I said, there was a bit of freedom about it. I, I liked that. There was an element of freedom. We couldn't go into kick-out strategies. We couldn't go into set plays. We couldn't ta- talk about, you know, a plus one or... We want two on the full forward line and three and a half forward. We want a, a full court press on on kickouts. You know, it did. It didn't. Now we lost games. One of them was against Westmead in in, a, in the Oborco final. We lost games because we didn't have that. And in hindsight, it was gone. God, why didn't I go through a small bit of that? But but the Oborco Cup was running off very very quickly. Um, you know, even we bet we bet Mead in a in a, in the semi final that year. And it went to penalties. It was the first, I think it was the, might have been the first game, maybe one other game that week in Connacht had gone to penalties. And like that, five fellas stepped up to me and said, I'll take a penalty. And we won that penalty shootout. And that was, that was one of the most enjoyable evenings for me, you know. Um, but it, it was great to see like, players from, like, you know, Ross Hazy from, from Sylvester's who just shone in, in those Auburn Cup games, you know, great recognition. And, you know, he probably carried us in a, in a game down, down in Newbridge against Kildare. And, you know, and some of those players, like Niles Scully was, was, was in around there, Brian Howard was around there, Emma Keneela had been away and was getting an opportunity again. It was great to see that, those develop and, and, and push on. But on the flip side, it was, it was very sad that some of those players... That I, I felt were really, really good, just didn't take the opportunity, you know. Yeah. Maybe the opportunity was there for them, they didn't grasp it, they didn't say, Well, look, I want a piece of this, and I'm going to do everything I can to move up to the next level. Um, so you know, where you, you open up this group of 30, maybe 35 players, not everybody's going to get game time, and you would hope that two, three, four or five of them might, might push on into a league and maybe only one will go into a championship, you know. But um, sometimes I'm more disappointed for the ones we lost than the ones we gained because, yeah. you know, there were some really, really good players out there. Bringing it even a step back beyond that, when, when you go to, to watch a club game or, um, yeah, like when, when you're, when you're, and then when you are watching those of Burn Cup games, but say, say watching a club game, what are the things that, that you're looking for that Jim would say, you know, we're looking at this guy because of this? Like, was it a case of you were looking very much for players who fit into the way that you played? Or, like, or were you very much open-minded looking at the games? Because it is, it is a case of, like, 
yeah, as you said, like the, the game has changed and their systems and stuff. So you're trying to get someone who fits in. Like I think when Brian Fenton came through, you were just like, wow, like is he just made for this team? Like like mm-hmm. he he's such a good footballer, but he never makes a mistake. Like he keeps the ball. He's he he gives he, he uses the kick, but like he's he was just perfect for the way mm-hmm. that Dublin played, where you could bring a really good player in who might just click. Like so, was that kind of what you were aware of when you were watching those games? Um, no, I, th- I think when you go to watch a game you go with a very open mind you know you might be going to watch two or three players that you've heard are in really good form you might have got reports back whether you know you read the newspaper that even held wherever someone says oh this fella played really well scored five points so you might be going looking at it then it's easy to check back was he on a development squad was he on a under 20 squad or a minor squad before no he hasn't he's come out of nowhere and so really you're just watching watching behaviour and standards really you know because you don't know what you don't know what way their team are going to what their game plan is and you don't know whether he's fitting into the game plan because you don't know what the game plan is so you're just looking at a skill set you're looking can he catch can he kick can he solo can he tackle does he have a does he have a you know really good discipline is he complementary to his to his um, teammates is he encouraging you know, um, you know, when he sees an opportunity arising, does he take it or does he give it a player in the best position? So things like that, that's what you're looking at, you know. Um, so it's not about oh, how he sets up in a certain line or what he actually does. It's it's the, the skills of the game. Even even in saying that, though, in terms of like um, kind of seeing reports and, and like it, it is challenging. Like in other sports, we don't have, like there's such a net of players, like in Dublin especially, like there's so many players that like, it's very hard to have a grasp on, on everyone and how everyone is doing. Um, so that's what I mean. Like in terms of like, would you be going? Would you be going to club matches regularly and, and kind of having a, a check on like, start, like having kind of a record and how loads of players are getting on and, and having. I know they've said there's development squads there now and or guys who were in before. We constantly monitoring players, which is really hard. Yeah, well, see the thing about it as well. Like if you go to a game and and you're looking at a game and you don't know who somebody is and you happen that he's, you know, he's easy on the eye, looks like there's something about him, you have to go and ask somebody. And then if you go and ask somebody, you say, oh, so-and-so was asking about him. And then it builds up, you know, either a pressure on the player because a word gets back by you, or else a word breaks up, this fella's the new up-and-coming team. And you don't want to do that, you know, because that's that's not that's not how, how you do it. And sometimes you, you might, like, through playing and management, you, you, have, you have a, a large portfolio of numbers in there that I could make a call and say, listen, I was out watching your club side. What, what's this guy like? Or what, what do you think of him? Like, I, I, don't, mind, I don't mind saying it, that with one or two of the Auburn Cup teams, and, and I got a phone call from... Uh, an ex-inter-county player from another county who was involved in a Dublin club and told me about um, Tom Lehiff. This guy has been, you know, like player of the year for us and he's, he's, he's lots of talent and he's lots of skills. I think maybe he should, he, he's worth a look at, you know. So people give you a call, you know. And again, if, if their name is in, in your phone, it's more than likely, excuse me, you, you trust them you know, for, for what they're doing, you know, and, and I did, I did that time, you know, and like, I didn't find Tom Lehiff, Tom Lehiff came forward 
and and played really well with his club and more was that he was playing well and, and has developed into a really, really good footballer, you know. And with with the likes of Tom Hips or Niles Fully with the earlier Ground Cup teams we said Howard Fenton kind of came came in and, and was playing a lot of league games. Like, what do you think it is with those players that make them settle in? Because there are some players who've struggled, like who've been sensational in club winning teams, and they haven't kind of clicked in or or made the you know been a consistent starter or consistent um you know coming on and, and and starting games for Dublin. Like, what is it do you think that makes the players? And what's the advice that you give to a guy when he comes in, you know, he's been burning for his club and he's training, like, because there's a different type of pressure on them. Yeah. The answer to that is huge because the difference between a good inter-county footballer and a good club footballer is a, is a huge gap. And you, it's very hard to fill in all those details in that. Um, you know, it, when you spot a player and you think, look, we've worked, it's worth a look at and bring him in a couple of training sessions, as I said to you before, how he arrives at training, the manner he comes into training, how he goes out on the training pitch, is he listening, is he getting involved, is he to the fore or is he to the back, is he too verbal, is he too quiet, um, you know, after training, has he gone to somebody to, to speak to them about how his performance was, how can he improve, um, like does he stick around after training for, for a meal, or does he is he a takeaway? Is he fill in a takeaway? So all those all those items are only a small amount of the things between the good club footballer and the county footballer. So you you look at, you look at that. You know, it's like uh, in the job I'm in now. We we brought in some new recruits lately, and you know you you advise them to say when you're walking through the corridors and work done. Don't don't just walk by and like introduce yourself to colleagues because these are going to be the colleagues you're going to be working with for the next 10, 15 or 20 years. And in the job that I'm in, um, it can be a life or death situation because we're in the aviation industry or firefighters. If something happens, you gotta, you got to have your teammate beside you. you got to know who you are. They've got to know who you are too. And then, you know, it's important that, that you come in and don't think you're bigger or better than anybody else because you're part of that, that team environment. So when a guy comes in, and again, I've been involved in, in, in teams and dressing rooms when I've asked someone, look, you know, to go through a certain routine, go through a certain practice um, on freeze or on a kick-out strategy. And his answer was, well, I have this sorted. This is not an issue. And straight away, I went, I really hope this doesn't come back and, you know, bite you in the ass. Because like that, that to me, was the wrong mindset and a frame of mind to have you know I, I remember um brian fenton in an interview uh, i think he, he mentioned uh kieran kenny saying to him when he first came into the squad about keeping everything simple and kind of building confidence mm-hmm. as he came on like on that like it's the thing i actually love most about fenton is how that he, he loads of players when they get county opportunity that you're obviously going to improve as a player but like geez he really has improved and improved and improved and improved it's such a, a good sign of a player but like when you when you have a guy in, like how do you strike that balance? Like like I know I know it's obviously different as a manager looking, but like if, if you were advising somebody you knew coming in, like how do you strike the balance between, you know, taking chances and going for it and then also you don't want to make mistakes. I know that that's a balance you have to strike in every game, but particularly when you're on that, I suppose, trial basis, it's it's really challenging. 
Yeah, well, like you say about Brian and doing things simple, he's just got better at doing the things simple. He hasn't over-elaborated. Like, he's always been a good fielder. He's always been a good carrier of the ball. You know, maybe he's improved in his shooting. Both now he can shoot both left and right, and he gets himself into into better positions. He may have been a type of player, um, again, again, as a pass midfielder, I would look at the pitch from goal to goal, and then most pitches nowadays have nets behind, and then you have the, the two big poles holding those nets up. And I don't want the midfielder, particularly of, of Brian Fenton's quality, uh, and I think Kieran Whelan as well, and they're both club, they're both club men, Rahili club men, that, that if Kieran Whelan or Brian Fenton or any midfielder is outside the width of those poles, those big wooden poles behind the goals, well, I think they're, they're, they're wasting their time. Whereas if they're inside there, they can do more damage if they're going to make a burst through to take a score. But they're also great for, for their own team on a defensive issue. So if one of these players gets pulled left or right, there tends to be no one else to fill the gap as well as they do because of their stature, because of their size, because of their athleticism. So, you know, the ways like that of improvement are, are so, so simple. Um, and, you know, when a player does make a mistake, and whether it was, oh God, it was a risky shot or he shouldn't have taken that, what he does next what you observe him to do next. Like, does he win the next kick out? Does he sit back and say, well, look, I'm not going to press here. And all of a sudden, what, five or six or seven other players in the team that are pressing up, he doesn't add into that. Well, then he hasn't made the right decision. So his mind isn't clear based on maybe what he's just done beforehand. You know, um, and, you know, at the time when he take the shot, was there someone in a better position? at half time or after the game if he can say look I, I took a shot and, and afterwards there was someone in a better position I should have really seen that so how someone responds there then in those minutes or seconds after a mistake is crucial and then how he responds post game and then how he responds in the next game does he do the same thing again um, it's hugely important, you know. Yeah, yeah. So the, the response is a big thing that you're, that you're yeah. looking and, for. And, and this, in the few seconds afterwards, in the few minutes afterwards, at half time, after a game, and then in the few days after a game. Yeah. So, so, when, so when players, and, and, and you saying even with Brian, doing the, the simple things, but just doing them better, like the kind of, that idea of having to think that you have to do everything in those trials, you don't really need to be doing everything. You need to do the simple things well. And if you do make a mistake, you respond. So they're, they're yeah. kind of two big learnings to... Really important, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think one of the, the things you're saying there, and a lot of the things you're, you kind of notice, and even earlier when you were, you were talking about, um, when you were talking positioning there, or, or earlier when you were talking about, you know, just you honing in on, on a player doing a specific thing in a game. Like, so obviously in the, the setup in Dublin, you were watching everything. Mm. And so that means you would have noticed i suppose a lot of like honesty and 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 things like that sean and then in the selections of of, of types of players that you picked you know you, you had your dennis bastics and your darren Daly's as well as you had your dear mcconnelly's and your you know kieran kenny's you, you had a really nice balance of players and everyone kind of brought something to the team like tell us about how important that that is to find that balance because i think that that was one of the strengths of that dublin team or the dublin team is that if you wanted to go physical with them, they'll go physical with you. If you wanted to go running game, they'll go running with you. If you want to play football with them, they'll play football. Like, they could go in any way where, if you were to get a pen and paper and pick your 15 best players, 
even watching the Dublin Pro Championship, there'd probably be some lads who weren't even on the squad, you know. So how important is that as a coach and a manager to find that balance and then to notice the little things that guys are doing? Well, you know, okay, the Dublin structure is, as I said, said to you, is a bit of, is a bit of a fluke, maybe the way the that generation of players came along. Um and you know, you've mentioned that Aaron Davis and Dennis Bastic. Dennis Bastic was in around the, the pill the pillar time, you know, as well. And um, you know, and, and probably didn't get didn't get great credit during that time, probably was set back and knocked back a bit, but then Pat Gilroy brought him in and Jim and, and look what type of player that he turned out to be, like a warrior and a war horse and a great always a great athlete, you know. And and that's just someone that you needed and, and you wanted. Um and then you had a Darren Daly who who never started in any of the All Ireland finals. I don't know how many All Ireland medals he has. He never started, but he, he's come in and contributed and actually probably won us two All Irelands based on the skills that he was really good at. He was a great defender. He was a great reader of the game. He was a great assessor of his opponents. He was a great um. You know, it's important that you have players on the sideline that can come in and do a job, but can they go in and 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 advise? Or bring on a message to the team as well. That's something, you know, as a coach that I'd always look at. That look, you look behind you. We need to make a change here. Um, yeah, well, we need to get someone on with a message. And can that person bring on a message? And I would say it to 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 teams when I'm when I'm coaching teams that, and I'm and I'm watching what's going on. So if I say, look, I need you to go in there, Wayne, but will you tell the guys we want to go, um, four on the half back line. And, and push on somebody else, you know. And I'd be watching for the next couple of minutes to see that it happened. And then if it didn't happen, well, then I want to know why that guy, but I'm not to score them three points. If you brought me the sub, I said, I know, but that's that's what I expect of you. But I also expected to, to do, some, do something else was to bring on a message. And if he's clear in mind and clear in head. And that's where, you know, at the heat of any battle, any player can get flustered. Uh, how how far he comes out of his zone, um, it's it's down to himself or his direct opponent knowing that he's actually getting a little bit worried here, and then the direct opponent will try and actually knock you for six, and that you're not, then you're not part of what's going on. You just become oblivious to it. You know, you think everything is coming on top of you. So, you know, when you have a team of players be a club or county and they, they can stay in the moment, they can understand what's going on, they can listen to instructions, they can take on board what, what you know, subs are bringing on or, you know, what's deemed to be the right decision by someone on the team who is playing well or is in the moment. Um, that's as important as that else, you know. Um, so it's a skill that you have to look for, a skill you have to have, a skill you have to acquire. Well, I suppose the thing with, with Bastic, I, I, even even saying, like, kind of saying, you know, you have your Dennis Bastics and Darren Davies, and then you have your Jimmy Connollys, and like, it's almost like, it seems almost disrespectful to those guys, because, but that's just the way that, even when you talk about club reports, before Dennis Bastic was in the Dublin team, I doubt very much that he was getting the plaudits and even her reports, because they're probably giving it to the guy who scored, you know, six six points, where, you know, the work that he was doing, he obviously spotted that, and then he came in and he did it, and he was able to do it at county level, and he was able to do it against the best players, and he was one of the best players in the country at what, what he did, 
And like that's again, like that, and that's what like I mean. Even if you have your your John Smalls and your Brian Howards, and they develop and they develop, but they they all brought something different. And like I always think with that Dublin team, there were times where some really top like all stars were on the bench. And if you just rejig the team around a bit, and you took one of you know you took one of those lesser big names in, and you could fit all the big names in, but you you never did that. And that's why I kind of your, your insight into that. You, you always found look to find a kind of a balance to the team. Well, you know, a lot of managers now talk about is your finishing, like what your finishing fifteen is your is is your most important. They're the ones that do get you across the line, but they they have to appreciate and how fortunate they are because they're on the bench. There's still another five or six guys who could be all stars are in the stand somewhere or they've been left behind in the in the team hotel, and um, so it is trying to keep everybody happy and is trying to um i don't mean that in a flippant way it's about it's about players understanding what their role is and how important it is and how important they are and um, to that like i was a i was a big fan of, of bernard brogan and um, because again he was in he was floating around in the time with pillars time with himself and alan and but he like he turned into a phenomenal scoring forward after that one, like a remarkable, you know, scoring record, um, and it was so important to Dublin. Um, so I, I felt I had a little bit of, I say, loyalty to him, but um, certainly I, I, I love to have him around the training pitch and around the dressing room. And only recently, um, he's mentioned the difficulties that he had when he was injured, and uh, James Allen, the physio, was looking after him and. How, how James personally one on one at running tracks and on bikes and in swimming pools was looking after him, you know. And I, t- I thought that was so true and it's it's so relevant of James, that's what, what what he would do. Um but but Bernard just you know, there, there was something about him when he was in the dressing room, there was something about him in the team hotel and you knew on the bench as well. Like you know you don't need bench jumpers, you don't need someone on the bench who's absolutely losing it within himself watching the game going on but he's able to converse and talk a bit like a Darren Daly on the bench you knew that he was spotting something and he wasn't keeping it to himself and he was shared amongst the group and the guys were discussing this and that again that that's what I, what I when I'm managing a team or I'm in charge of a team or when I was in charge of a team that if you're having subs warming up, I hate to see subs going 70 yards down the sideline because if I say I need him now, he should be within a short distance of me if I need to get something that's in my head I've just noticed. and Or else I could ask him almost immediately, did you see that happening there? Yes, I did. Well, okay, you're the man to go in and try and do something about that. So, you know, the importance of having the right people starting the game, the right people to come in and change the game, the right people to come in and finish off what's being done, the right people, if you're watching your opponent, who they may have in the subs, and if they have a certain player that you know is going to be a threat, do we have someone to mark him? Or if you feel that your opponent has a weakness in backup full-backs, well, we've got someone to go in a full forward who just might just rattle me so much that we'll, we'll finish it, you know? So to have your, your, um, your equipment spread out in certain areas to go to battle is hugely important and you know where it is they know where they're at and why they're there and then when they get onto the pitch and the force what to do that they know what they have to do 
with that Dublin team, like I, I know you worked a lot on the, the the skill development with them. Like, if you look at like a country teams that they're looking at Dublin and they're they all think that Dublin are you know running like crazy and that they're doing that, which they obviously physically there's 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 a lot of work that's being put in there. But like the skill development of that team is what kind of separated them from from the other teams and like. Give us a bit of an idea in terms of um, like training sessions and like how much focus you actually put on skills because I think it's just really important a message to get across in the GA because yeah like teams are training themselves into the ground with them things where the, the skills are so important in developing skills so like how how often would you train you know skill development and and when would you do it? would you do it before the session in the session both like yeah. what would that look like. Again, look. If you're in charge of any team, you you need to to know what players you have, and you you put in your management team. Then after that, you know selectors that you know you can trust, who have a similar eye to yourself, have an opinion, and know when when everybody contributes. You then, if you're in a club side, what 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 is their medical structure? Do you have a physio? Do you have a doctor? Do they go to the games? Do they go to training? So you you, you put things in place like that, um. Hugely important. When it comes to skills, um, what's important is that that I feel always that it, that it should be player-led. If a guy is a defender, he should know how to tackle. He should know how to practice tackling. He should know how to work with another defender, maybe, to work on his tackling. He then can go to a forward and say, look, I need you to run at me with the ball and I want to work on my tackling. He gets different players of different statures, left foot, right foot, um, speed, power, and he just works and holds down the skills. Now, at club level, you don't, you might know so much about your next game and your next opponent. At county level, you can look at your opponent. Who's your next opponent? What's their team makeup like? What's their subs like? Who possibly will start? And you might be able to focus more on your direct opponent, and I want to work on my defensive skills this week at that element. As a for, as a forward, you have the same thing. Um, you know, you might at club level be able to look at, at at who you're playing next week, and then maybe trawl back through through newspapers or social media and say, well, look, this team give away no goals. You know, we we they've conceded no goals in the last six matches, and they've won their matches. And maybe say, look, we need to work goals into this game to make sure, because I think if they can see goals, they're going to beat them. So there are small things you can do at club level. At county level, again, you can you can find everything, and everything is on video, everything is on RTE, or it's recorded. So you can find out those minute details. So the way I look at it as a manager, I come in, I set training up, I go out and watch my players arrive, and then I'll watch and see what they do. I absolutely hate this idea of having 20 footballs out on the pitch, the same three players in at the goal, and then 20 players kicking the ball over and waiting for the ball to be kicked back out. I absolutely detest it. The 20 footballs are there. You, have, you should have a ball each or a ball between two and start working on your skills. Defenders work on your defending, midfielders work on your kick, catching, and forwards work on their shooting. And a forward should work with a forward, put the ball over the bar, take five, switch around. Myself and McGalvin used to have a routine that we would go to training and during the month of May we would work, okay, you have to get 20 shots in training t- tonight. June, it's 30. 
July is for so we each month we would improve the quantity, we would increase the quantity and try and improve the quality, and that's what I want. If 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 I'm with a club side, I want to see guys take it upon themselves to practice those skills because then when you go into a small side of games or a match situation, you know where they're at. You know you know the work that they've put in should should come back in bucket loads in in those situations. You know. So like a good kind of. Um, example of, of what you're looking for you, you know you, you want a player to be showing to be turning up with the right mindset the right attitude the right potty language and then to be out practicing beforehand like so you'd have drills set up well in advance of training the start time and, and you want the players out like you don't need to sit. there's a football mm. that's the that's the only tool you need okay mm. there, there are times where you can work on defensive duties and without a football I want you to run at me so I can work on my hands and my feet. Get my hands and feet in the right position that if you're running at me and how I can stop you, you know? So the, the ball is not required. Same way with shooting. You know, shooting, okay, is putting it between the posts, but the strike is important as anything else. So I've, I would, again, encourage players, you know, most pitchers nowadays have a big net behind the goal, to actually get a ball in their hand and strike four, five, six, maybe ten shots, nice and easy, into that net, from five yards out and just get the, that feel that feel of the strike that I'm actually striking the ball really well the chances are like a good golf shot if you're striking that ball well you won't feel a thing if you shank one and you catch one off the toe you're going to feel it in the club and it's going to go where it's going to go so to be able to go out and practice that strike the strike I know what it feels like I know what it feels like now we're going to work on you know 15 20 yards out you know work on the strike between the posts and now I want to go into my shooting range so if the coach says to me, 10 shots from there, how many out of 10 can you give me? Well, I can give you 8 out of 10. Well, that's not bad. I'll be happy. Yeah, know? yeah. I suppose without giving away state secrets or anything, just to give like an eagle view of walking into a, a looking at a Dublin team in, you know, when you were involved a couple of years ago before training, is that what you're going to see maybe at 45 minutes before training? You're going to see... Players scattered all over the pitch working on their skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Like, that's everything. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's it. Like, um, you know, obviously, the players need, need some time in the with physios and doctors, and you know, they need to. They might want to do a little bit of you know homework, you know, the video analysis, or get their notes right, or you know, things like that. Or they they might they might you know go to one of the coaches and say, "Listen, can you come out and have a look at this? I want to work on something." You know, so you know, it. it if you're unsure, you need that little bit of guidance. And if you're unsure, you go to your manager or your coach and say, listen, what, what, what do you think I need to work on? It's either based on what has happened in a previous game or what you think I'm going to be facing coming up. And it doesn't, it, it, like, what, what Dublin did is not, is not rocket science. It, 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 it is what you'd like to see at any club level, except the standards were, standards were very, very high. You, you don't. You don't become good at playing the sport unless you set very high standards. And the players set high standards. They demand high standards of themselves. They demand high standards of each other. They give each other feedback. They're, they're the practice dummy for anything that you need to do. And that's the way it should be with any, any, any club level. The players have ownership. Like, I always say, as a, as a coach or a manager, um, I'd love not to be required. Like... I think sometimes managers can can ruin the game for players. When I look at you know young teams nowadays, and you go up and you watch them at any any level, 
and uh, that's probably in soccer as well, probably a little bit in rugby. The, the amount of involvement from the sideline during the game is just it's just way too much. Um, I think they need to be able to express themselves. So to be uh, uh, not required on match day or not required at all, it means the players are leading it, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's given a respect to that kind of thing though, isn't it? Like a respect to the player to express themselves and a trust. And then, and it, like, as you said, it's not rocket science, but like giving a respect to the skills because I think there's a big difference between training and practice. Like training sessions are like team collective um, drills. It's match specific, it's tactics, where you, the actual thing of practicing, you know, your shooting or practicing one-on-ones and stuff like that. Like I find, you know, I, sometimes if you're not there to train early, like, when the off season is there and you can always get a guy to come and do some one-on-ones mm. i feel like the growth that i get there sometimes you know you lose that during the season unless you can get that as well mm. the two are completely separate you know so if you can come early and get that practice and then get your training like um but a lot of other teams are kind of focusing on the physical side i think a bit too much it comes back to um who you're straining conditioning coaches as well dublin are extremely lucky to have Ryan Cullen front and centre with that you know ex-player you know has, has done it all has captained Dublin so he's gone off learned greater skills with Leinster Rugby and he's come back to Dublin and he's you know he's Dublin through and through and, and he has a love for it but he also has a love for his, his trade and his, and his skill and we're, we're very fortunate all the players trust and respect him uh, the managers uh, never underestimate him they, they fully know his value and getting the players in the right condition and then he, he obviously works through with the physios and doctors for the prevention like again too many times um managers and when I, I'm, I'm always talking about this is club teams as well managers don't don't uh, rely enough on the feedback they have from their doctors and physios like ultimately you want to have the best you want to have a squad of players for any match for this league or championship you want them in the best physical condition to do the job. And, and that's simple as, if you have three hamstring injuries, there's an issue there. You need to talk to someone, if there's someone doing strength and conditioning, or if you're in charge of your running uh, set for the last two weeks, there's something's gone wrong. And you need to talk with your physios then to say, well, look, we're, we're repairing these hamstrings and we think it's because of this. So the feedback you get from them is important. So their involvement in the whole pl- training plan is huge because uh, an injured team or an unfit team ain't, ain't going to win anything for you you know and that's where going back to the very start of the conversation a manager that, that knows to delegate the jobs trusts everybody in it uh, when requires their feedback when needs their feedback when they give their feedback it's all taken on board so this 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 package then is at its best when it's required uh, i suppose like when you're talking about the skill sets you know there's the tackling and the shooting and, and, and all, all of these things that that, that you've a lot of knowledge on but we're not gonna <laughs> we'll be here all day if we just go through all of them but i know that you you love and, and when you played yourself you were an excellent fielder of the ball so if you kind of give us a bit of an insight say people are watching um and listening about like the core skills of fielding and, and how you would advise a young player or a player to get better at catching the ball like like what would you if you could go out and you know you had 40 minutes to go out with a guy and you're going to improve him early and and his field and like what what would you do or what would a session look like 
first of all, you, you, you're not going to go off and kick balls from 50 yards and see how he does it. Because like to do that um, takes a lot of time. So, so starting off, you really want to see how a guy reacts to a ball coming into his hands, whether you're skidding the ball off the ground into his hands, whether you're throwing it straight at him, whether you're pumped past and into him from a very short distance. So all of a sudden you have 20 or 30 catches you know, using his hands to see see actually how 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 his hands are, um. Then you have to look at the biomechanics of it. How does he actually run and jump? You know, is he a a straight leg jumper? Um, like there's a lot of photographs where you see a player and he's straight legged catching a ball high high overhead. Um, is that his technique or was it pure fluke that he got underneath the ball and he had to reach so high? Like you'd wonder why was he not attacking and jumping into the ball? So you like to see, you like to see the skill of um, the player taking that one two and jump. And when you do that, there's nobody around you. Like you, you don't you don't have anybody around you. Um, I know the Aussie rules introduced then the the like the tackle bag that you can run and jump and get yourself up onto the tackle bag. Um, that, that that's all well and good. But ultimately, you getting to where you want to go at its highest point is about you and nobody else. Um, like you can practice further down the field with, with your own goalkeeper as in the flight of the ball that he has, the way he likes to strike it. Does he have a favourite place? And what you'd say to me is like, excuse me, if the shit hit the fan and we needed to win a ball at midfield, where is the best place for you to kick the ball? Tell me where you will put it. And I'll find myself there and I'll catch it. Um, so that's usually important too. But the, the biomechanics, how he jumps, how he jumps. Um, then you can add on a little bit of a challenge, like um, while he's jumping, being able to throw maybe a tennis ball at him or another football to try and distract him. Um, I love the, the flotation, the, the spaghetti, you know, those flotation devices from the swimming pool. You see yeah. it in rugby. Yeah. So as a fellow's jumping, and he gets a clip of one of those under his chin. Does he like it or not like it? Because more likely he's going in the match, he's going to get something. Um, I watch other sports. You watch rugby league or rugby union. They practice like that. You know, Hugo Keenan, you know, doesn't become a great field for a ball. Just pump it up there, Johnny, and I'll catch it or someone else. You know, he's going to be put under pressure at some stage. But if you can catch it and jump in the first place, there's no point introducing the pressure then after that, you know? Yeah. So that's the phases. How the hands are, practice, practice, practice. How is biomechanics? Putting a little, maybe a small little hurdle on the ground. You know, so I want you to jump over that. I want you to jump over that without a ball and see how you do. Now I'm going to throw a ball up and I want you to jump. So again, you're just there throwing the ball. You're not, you're not kicking it or lumping it because you need a keeper to do that. Um, and that's, that's how I would, you know, start the basis of it. I remember in DCU, I was playing in the backs, but I played most of my football midfield, and I remember being jealous of you working with midfielders, and you had it. I think there was a there was a rope or something around yeah. the pitch anyway, and you had them jumping over, and they were doing the session kind of. I couldn't fully see exactly what 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 it was they were doing, but I knew it was involved with the rope. But yeah, because like I know like I, I would catch a ball, like I have a stretch more than a jump, like, but it's mm. something that. Haven't really worked on a lot, you know. And, and when I practice kicking and catching, when I practice catching, I it's I'm working on the hand and I'm reinforcing the strengths rather than mm. 
And yeah, we I don't think we spend enough time breaking down a skill and working on it as, as specifically as you said there. You yeah. know, sometimes maybe we do for kicking because that's the obvious one, but for yeah. everything, I, I don't think we do enough like, of that. Like it goes back to my my uh, I I love to jump. I I I think it was a strength of mine was was a jump that I had and eyeing the ball and and um, you know you know when you're playing a game like you, you put in a good block just just. Really, oh God, you get down on a boot and get a block, and if you can hit the opponent at the same time, maybe give him a dunt and a bit of damage, but you've got the ball. If you make that near hand tackle and it's good, or you break a ball away as a defender, as a forward, you know, get that strike and it sails between the posts exactly where it likes. That's that feeling that you have, that emotion that you have. But to me, you know, to be a head and shoulders above someone, you know, and um, making that catch. Now, the game has slightly changed since I played, like it was play on, like you could land and you could get thumped by it. But nowadays you take your mark and so be it. But I think I think even with the mark nowadays, it's a great statement early on in the game. If there's a kick out to be won, that you go and win it. And if you want to stop, when the whole world is free up the pitch, but if you want to stop and you know, eyeball your direct opponent or whatever and say, listen, I'm, my eye is in today and I'm doing it. So be it. Um, I don't think there's a better feeling than, than actually than feeling about it. I don't think so. Yeah, I, same to be honest, I take it before scoring any day. But um, on the kind of last question I wanted to ask you was, so when you're talking about skill set and obviously Dublin, you build your game around that. But I suppose talking about football in general and if you look at like Jim when he first came in and you know he built a team that was the best team in the country and was capable of beating any team by double digits but then obviously Jim McGuinness came and found a way of beating that team and then Dublin started developing ways to to make sure that they would win games and to be you know that kind of ultra controlled way of playing is kind of one of the big hallmarks of that team which you know when you have successful teams teams all over the country pick up from it and do you think I think now from being involved in Dublin teams that I'm seeing that there's teams are kind of almost gone too far into that kind of controlled way of playing without realizing that at the root of Dublin's success was skill set and, and performance and then they added those things and I'm looking at Dublin teams now and obviously you've still got a lot of the senior team are young but a lot of the club football I'm seeing right now is just the, the basic skill set is kind of being a bit neglected and also the kind of the, the the simple flow of football in terms of like how you get from A to B to score is is kind of being a bit forgotten because like if you were to say to a I feel like if you were to say to like a, a 17 year old in Dublin or an 18 year old you know how does football look like they like well you come out and then you cross 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 and then you come up and then you cross 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 as opposed to you do that if you face with a defence but at the end of the day you want to come out pop 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 crossover and shoot like that's yeah. how it looks like and I don't know like you're obviously more involved in, in football in Dublin I'm not talking about the senior team now but do you think that's something that's a bit of a worry that people are forgetting what actually that team did stand for and they're getting too caught up on the the other side of things yeah like you know you mentioned the Donegal well like Donegal were a certain group of, again it's a certain group of players or a certain group of time that their manager had them playing and understand a certain style of play and the longevity of that was not so long. It, it, it was there for a certain period of time. And in that particular season, 
that worked for them and they got they got their all Ireland success beating Dublin. You know, Dublin were were evolving under Jim only at that at that stage probably because Pat had moved on and and you know Jim was 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 moving in and he had those guys the few years earlier at the underage thing. So he was back in, you know, you know, playing the football that he understood and what what he knew the players understood. Like it is, a, it is a thing again. You you go looking at soccer academies ar- around Europe, and you look at um, how it's done in in particularly in Holland and Ajax and Feyenoord. Like the, the all these players know and understand and can speak a good game because they they do understand it. Sometimes nowadays at club level or underage in particular, they're they're forced into the opinions and views of their club managers rather than. The club manager understand them. Look, this is the type of player. This is the type of team we can put together, and I need to coach them their way rather than my way. I need to coach them based on the the skills that we have in this team. Like, you know, I I want to play a really defensive type of game, but I've three unbelievable forwards. You can't carry three unbelievable forwards. You might get away with one unbelievable forward who who doesn't. Who stays up there all the time as a one on one or a two on one, and now we do damage. But the other forwards have to come back and defend, and and don't feel comfortable doing that. So then, if they're not comfortable, your your game plan isn't going to work. So I think it's important that the managers manage teams the way the best way that they understand know what's best for their team. So it's important that both of them sort of gel together. You know. Yeah. Maybe too many, too, maybe people, people nowadays are watching too much football. Maybe they're watching too much telly, you know, and, and, and going and watching games and seeing these lines of defence. Oh, we're, gonna, we're being a counter-attack I'm not involved in anybody at the moment. I've no, I've no love or grow because, you know, from the age of 14, getting into a Dublin development squad, to the age of 54, when I when I finished with that with, with Desi and the setup there, it's forty years. So I think I've I need a bit of a break to go and enjoy and watch. But if I if I was involved in a team, I would be trying very hard to go back to a little bit of old school, fifteen on fifteen. If you've got six six defenders, you know, and it's very hard to find a good corner backs nowadays. I think corner backs. Are made cornerbacks are born. So if you have six defenders, and with a supplement of a midfielder or another forward, they should be able to defend most most teams and most of the time. So you still have forwards up the pitch. So I would would be a fifteen v fifteen, toe to toe. You might get a few beatings. You might mightn't go down so well on the sideline. It mightn't go down so well in the local pub because the way you're playing. Um, but if you believe it, and then maybe the players might enjoy it because they might be able to express themselves that little bit more. Um, that's the way I, I would be. That's the way I would like to coach them yeah. nowadays. That's why I'm, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of watching games nowadays yeah. for that reason. I, I'm similar with it as well. But I think that essentially what you're saying there, even is that that controlled way of playing or that tack, that was of a benefit to that Dublin team and like so other teams trying to replicate that is pointless unless it's a benefit to their team um, and yeah like and, and it should be 15 on 15 unless 
the tactics you adopt are going to make it better for your team, not just for the sake of it. Like mm-hmm. I, I feel like the starting block for a team, no team would start with 15. For, like I'm looking there at, at some teams like junior clubs and stuff like that. And like they're adding complications to themselves. There's three men everywhere because they're trying to bring back wing forward. But they don't know how, they don't know what they're doing really. Or if everyone marked their man too responsibly for their yeah. man, they'd actually be better defensively. It's only if you need to do that defensive system for a particular reason. So if you if you have responsibility for a certain man, if that man does damage, it's your responsibility now. Whereas when you have so much free flowing play, and a certain fella scores, well, uh, he wasn't my man because I was in this line of defence that I was told to take. So he went in that line. So that was your responsibility. So pe- people not taking responsibility upsets yeah. me a bit, you know. And I think at club level, especially definitely at underage level, I think players should be able to master them conditions before they start doing yeah. anything else like it is a bit worrying when you see under 14 teams with you know again you, you, to hear to hear an underage underage players and they're okay as i said to cornerbacks are is a very special or fullbacks is a very special position dublin have been so lucky with the fullbacks that we have they were proper fullbacks we went made but they improved themselves and obviously they're seriously quality full forwards and corner forwards out there that they needed a little bit of protection. But nowadays, when you hear people shouting, where's my plus one? Where's the fella in front of me? Like, who told Mick Lyons or Jerry Hargan or Paddy Morton, you know, or any of these players, um, you're going to have a plus one? They'd have told you, I don't need a plus one. I can look after him myself, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and like like Mick Simons isn't screaming for a plus one when he's playing for Kula, like or it's only in certain conditions where oh, that's necessary. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a, it's not they're not there all the time. Yeah, you know the game is there to get up the pitch and get scores. If you win the game one point to nil, it's a, it's an attack that's got the score. So that's simple as. But if a team are going to come at you, if you can get a player, if you can get a player in just to fill a gap between the delivery of the ball and the full back line, that's a that's a great help because, because, and the way I look at it is, if a player comes in to protect that full back line, while the opponent is now setting up and saying, well, look, I can't get the ball in there because there's a fella in the way, one of your teams should be closing him down. You've stopped him up a small bit. You've slowed him down a small bit. So someone should be going to him rather than adding more bodies back. So that's right on. Like, like stop him up because, again... One of the best scores you can get is a turnover score. If you turn it over a corner, your own corner back, turn the ball over and go up the pitch, that's great. But it's not like turning the ball over in the opponent's half and getting a score. It's a, it's a, it's a sucker punch, you know, it's yeah. great. Yeah, and, and again, that comes into skill set and practice and tackling and practice. Mm. And, um, as opposed to, like a, I, I feel like a, your basic club session now is, is a collection of tactical kind of match situations where you're, you're not actually putting hands on many players is kind of a lot of this yeah, and a lot of yeah. that and it's like how else do you again it, it makes it even more important to come your hour early and do your, your practice but um i don't think the skills are being developed enough but i, I just think on a, on a last question for you um your your own kids there say if you know if years down the line if they're loving the game which i'm sure that i'm sure they will be um and they're heading out for a, you know a, a minor championship game and you know, when they walk out the door, well, what's the message that, that, that you give, you know, the, the, the words that you say before you head out and you go down and watch the game later yourself? Yeah, like my son Ben now, he'd be seven in June and, and uh, like where I am now in Ballybuckle, like, 
it's a fantastic community, it's a fantastic area living in, the club and the structure they have there, the under underage coaches are brilliant and the chairman and the vice chairman all, all know what they want and they want the best for the club. Um, so I, I'm happy to let Ben go up the road or I bring him up the road and, and I go for a walk or I watch how he's getting on or I go and watch another like a nursery group train or the age group above. Um, so I, I don't, I say to Ben, what, what, I ask him, what, what are you going to practice, what are, you, what are you going to focus on today? You know, the coaches up there, they'll do catching and kicking, they'll do hand passing, they'll do solo, they'll be in and out of cone. So I just let Ben, I say, what, 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 what do you want to practice today? And like this morning he was training, I so said, what, what, what are you going to work on today? He said, I'm going to work on my tackling and my hand pass. So he, he decided, he, he's, I'm finished, he's only starting, if he wants to do that, if it's next week he wants to practice the seven iron, the golf club, will be go golf on that. Yeah. So, yeah, let it be. <laughs> but that, that, I, think, I think that sums up everything with you in terms of that communication and, and the way that you can communicate with them and then the emphasis on them leading it and the emphasis on practice, essentially, mm. which is, which, and, and the fact that you're able to do that with your own family, but then you, you did that with teams as well. Like, so, yeah, it was great talking to you. Like, yeah. I always say, me playing, like, it was most enjoyable coaches that I've, that I've worked with, like, to make you feel, like, 10 feet taller. Like, no, we're so still talking, so yeah. it, must have been, it must have been something. Yeah, geez. You like, we, we, like, that group of players around that time, like, again, I have to mention it, you know, it was my first time to be involved with players from other counties, um, I did a bit with Pillar with one of the Railway Cup teams, but that was the first time I'd met players and coached coached players who had played underage maybe against Dublin. Um, I'd seen the players that were coming through those couple of years in the Freshers in DCU, and I said, these are going to be a handful for any Dublin team going forward. And it is with great pride, I have to say, and pleasure, um, that I look, I look at the guys from Galway and Cavan and Monaghan and Donegal and Roscommon, like all of those guys um, doing so well on the Gaelic pitch. And, and I, I, am, I say that openly, I'm really happy to see them do so well and playing for their counties. And then on top of that, to do so well in their, in their, in their fields of business and work and in particular yourself, you know, like you, you, you've, you've, you're a great young lad then, you're developing to a great man and, and I wish you every success. Cheers. Thanks for everything, Gary.